Welcome to the podcast of Unity Fort Worth. In it, you'll hear this week's message and meditation. If you'd like to hear and see the complete service, you can always find it at unityfortworth.org or on the Unity Fort Worth Facebook page. Unity Fort Worth focuses on positive and practical Christianity with a willingness to explore the entire world of religion and spiritual thought. Unity Fort Worth streams live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Thanks for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. Thank you so much, Beth. Beth actually had to step in today because we have um, a couple of music people who are um, ill, so thanks uh, for the music team to have so much flexibility. And thank to all of you for coming. Uh, you are, what do you call it, you're, you're fighting the cold or something like that? Do, do you know, I mean, most of you know that I grew up in Switzerland, <clears throat> and some people ask me, why are you struggling with the cold so much since you grew up in Switzerland? I said, why, why do you think I left Switzerland? <laughs> so, well, on a more serious note, as most of you know, yesterday, Colleyville, we had a hostage situation in the congregation, uh, Beth Israel. And um, I'm part of a circle of clergy, as you, most of you know, and we have Jewish friends, we have Muslim friends, we have mostly a Christian from all denominations. And so our texts were firing up yesterday all day long as this was going on. And I asked this morning um, a Jewish friend of mine of that group, she's a cantor of a Jewish community. A cantor is someone who is focusing on the singing part of the Jewish scripture. And she is the one who shared that prayer with me because I asked her what would be appropriate in such a situation from a Jewish perspective to say. It comes more and more clear to me that if we don't start to wake up, this will get only worse. More than two years ago, we had the White Settlement shooting. Remember that? About uh, two years and, two, and a month ago, this is like a few days after I started. <laughs> there was a shooting in the church, White Settlement. We had a prayer vigil here. And it seems to come up more and more. And it's scary when you think about how close it gets. But I'm also not surprised because we continue to focus on the outside we try to find solutions on the outside by forgetting to look inside. And we're trying to fix things outside while ignoring what's happening within us. Now, don't get me wrong. We need to do stuff on the outside. We need to go out there. We need to go out into the community and do stuff. We need to take action in the physical world. That is absolutely important. But if we don't learn at the same time to align ourselves spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, what's happening within ourselves, there will always be this disconnection between one and the other. And if there is anything I'm seeing happening over the past couple of years, is we seem to be rifting apart more and more and more. 
And if unity has one thing to teach, then it is oneness, wouldn't you say? Isn't that what we believe? Oneness, unity, union, right? And so I believe it's really important that we focus on this more diligently than we have been ever. And it comes to me, it's becoming more and more clear why this verse spoke to me so much for this year. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. To understand what meekness means, it takes a little bit of an inside journey because our, the demonstration we get on the outside can often appear quite the opposite. We believe that having more guns or more people or more money or more power, that that is actual strength. But the spiritual teachings tell us something completely different, don't they? It tells us that true strength comes from humility. But that is not how we are taught in life, isn't it? We're hardly ever taught that humility is even a useless factor. Is there a class on humility in school in the United States? No, right? I don't remember when going to college that there was a you know, humility one-on-one -on -one class that I could go to. It's just not even on our radar. And yet it is one of the most powerful things we can do to shift our own consciousness and that of other people by learning to be humble and to be kind. And so this verse is probably the most powerful verse out of all the Beatitudes that Jesus is speaking. It's hard to understand because we are not taught in this way. Some of us may even think, except, well, this is quite the opposite I was taught. In order to be strong, I have to appear a certain way. I have to appear muscular as a man. In order to be strong, I have to be kind and loving as a woman. But to be humble, to be honest and truthful, is a whole other ballgame. But a ballgame we need to get to. And a ballgame we need to learn the rules how to play by. Because ultimately, you probably heard this before, that, you know, the dog, the tiny little dog that yaps the loudest is most likely not the one to be scared of. In Switzerland, we have this saying that the uh, empty truck rattles the loudest. You ever heard that? It's an empty truck, a truck that's not loaded and has all their chains on the side of the truck. That's the one that rattles the loudest. That's the one you hear all the time. That's the one who appears strong, but it's actually empty. Whereas a loaded truck, a truck that's full with love and kindness, you don't hear anything. It just runs smoothly on the road. We need to learn to be differently and think differently.
and act differently. So I talked about radical self-awareness, radical self-humility and self-honesty, radical self-reliability and radical self-responsibility last week. And I'm using radical and self based on those two niyamas, observances in the Hindu tradition, self coming from self-study, from Svadhyaya, which is study of the self, study of becoming aware what's actually happening within us, and study of the scripture, which is also, or should be an internal journey, rather than an external one, and radical based on or inspired by tapas, which means discipline, where it goes into reliability, to learn to be disciplined, but again, not as we learn it necessarily in the Western world. Discipline with fire, discipline with passion, discipline with zeal and enthusiasm, discipline not hurtful, but powerful, discipline from a place of humility. These four acts or aspects, you can see almost as four pillars of our spirituality. Because if we don't learn to become radically self-aware, we will never really get to the journey that we're actually on. We will be continued to be drawn outside without ever turning within and asking ourselves, well, what's actually happening within me? Because the outside is wonderful, isn't it? It's beautiful, listening to beautiful music, eating a beautiful, great meal, having all our friends, having parties, that's the outside. We're all excited about that. That's when our senses are drawn outward, and often we're taught and trained to value that to the degree when we forget to listen and look inward. But it's the inward journey at the same time with the outward journey that truly gives us insight in who we are and how we can change the world. So last week I introduced to you this book, Get Over It. We had a lot of fun with that last week, didn't we? Right? It's a tiny little book, like I said, haven't read it for years, so I was a bit challenged last, last week with you picking uh, the phrases. And, you know, this week we're going to use this book, Get Over These Two. <laughs> we're doing this a little bit different. So there's two books that Paul Hasselbeck and, and Bill Holton wrote, and they're, they're wonderful because it's a good reminder to understand what these phrases that we tell ourselves are truly about. And so I want to draw something first before we go into the phrases. Just to illustrate again what I'm trying to convey, not only today, but hopefully for this year, why I believe it is important that we dig deeper and deeper into the journey that unity teachings have to offer. Uh, and I'm using a lot of stuff that I use in classes that I teach. So for example, when it comes to representing us, Individually, I usually draw a circle. 
and then an infinity symbol in the middle there. That basically is a symbol for the circle are we, that kind of separation that we experience, the separation between our physical bodies, and then the infinity symbol is where our focus should be, it's the divine, the infinite potential and possibility. Now it is clear that the divine is outside too, but in spiritual practices we usually focus inward first because it, that's an important part. Why? Because everything that happens is out here that we usually pay attention to. When we are angry about something or we're frustrated or we disagree with something, it's usually, usually about the circumstance and experience we have and that is informed by our senses from outside. It could be an argument with our partner, it could be an article that we read, it could be uh, news that we watch, it's all happening on the outside. And guess what? When we try to change something, our attention goes to the outside as well. But hardly ever at the same time do we ask ourselves, well, what's actually happening within me? Yeah, I'm angry about this person. That person just insulted me. Elaine and I had just one of those experiences the other day. We went to the symphony, Fort Worth Symphony. If you've never been, I encourage you to go. They have a wonderful, wonderful uh, way of, of sharing classical music. We went there, we went to, bought some really expensive tickets, and we got a really... Um, I guess, expensive experience by having a couple who obviously usually has season tickets where we ended up being, being very nasty to us in ways of being just, what do you call it? I call it hoity-toity type of, <laughs> what are you doing here, <laughs> you know? Elaine, she, you know, the person, one person had like all her stuff on Elaine's chair and you know, when we finally identified that's the chair that, that we bought the ticket for, she reluctantly removed her stuff and obviously was very uncomfortable. That's all happening on the outside, right? The nastiness, the hoity-toitiness is happening out here. But what happened in here? What happened within me? What happened within Elaine? That is also important, and we need to learn to address both. And we need to learn to address both kindly and appropriately. And so the reason why we should do that is a very simple one. Because often, traditionally, what we are, what we are taught is that God is out here, isn't it? Hardly anyone in the Western world is taught that God is within us. That's more of an Eastern kind of thing. But we are very clear on the idea, and even if we grew up with an Eastern philosophy, we still have a lot of impressions from our society listening to people pray to a God outside of themselves. So very similar to how we react to our experiences, we often see God outside of ourselves. 
and we then relinquish a lot of the power that we have to that God, attributing that power to something outside of ourselves rather than understanding that the power is already available to us within. And that is really the only reason why we should start looking within while not ignoring what's happening, but do both at the same time. You know why? Because when we do this, what happens is we start to remove the separation we feel. And then the outside and the inside start to line up with each other. God, that may have been traditionally on the outside, now no longer is separate from us. The separation is gone. But we cannot bypass that separation if we continue to relinquish our power to something that is not starting within ourselves. We must learn to always look at see what's happening inside, what's happening outside, and start to make these connections so that in the end, this separation simply disappears. And in the end, all there is left between us and God and everyone else is God alone. No more separation. Yes, still some stuff going on on the outside. Yes, still stuff going on on the inside, but no longer fighting with each other, no longer trying to separate from each other, but come to terms that all is one in the end. It's a great goal, right? Anyone tried to achieve this yet? Couple of you, okay, right? It's a very common goal. Have you done it yet? Yeah, maybe once in a while. All right, so let's move now to a couple of those phrases. So today, what I did is I went through all the phrases and I kind of sorted them. And I wanted to draw this for you to give you some idea. I'm not expecting you to fully understand the depth of what I just shared with you. Because ultimately, it's your intellectual understanding is not as relevant as your experience in the end. But these are the phrases that are attributing God usually on the outside. If you look at those, let God, let go and let God, what that implies is if I'm letting go, then I can let God. But that implies that there is some God doing something without us doing anything. Right? It is in God's hand. That clearly implies, well, this is not mine to do, it's in God's hand. That's take relinquishing responsibility to an entity that we cannot define outside of ourselves. It was an act of God. Who hasn't said that before? It was an act of God, couldn't do, couldn't do anything about it. And why wouldn't you say that? 
Because the way sometimes things happen and we have no idea why. We just have no clarity why that happened. So, and if we can't make sense of it, it's much easier to then say, well, it must be something that we cannot define, we cannot see, but we just want to give it over there. Responsibility is somewhere else as long as it's not our responsibility because it's too hard for us to take on the responsibility at that time. Surrender it to God. It's one of my favorites. Oh, just surrender it to God. If you can't deal with it yourself, just give it to God. God will take care of it. Ever heard of that? Again, God outside of ourselves. God will provide. This must be a sign from God. Not my will, but God's will will be done. Can you see the pattern, what's happening? We are always using these phrases in many ways, and we are relinquishing, giving up our own responsibility because we hope that some God, something we cannot define and we hope is benevolent and good, will get us out of trouble. Well, here is what Paul and Bill suggest to say instead. Let go, let God. No, let's say unleash ego, unleash godness. What that means is we let go of our limitations, our ego, the stuff that is limiting us, and by doing that, by t leaving all the limitations behind, what we do at the same time is we're actually letting the godness that's within us, remember the infinity symbol? That's already there. We don't have to create it. It's already there. What well, We have to unleash it. And the only way to unleash it is by turning within. If we keep looking outside of ourselves and keep giving up responsibility, we will never get to that point of understanding how powerful we actually are. We can only do it through the unleashing of the godness that's already within us. Rather than to say it is in God's hand, how about saying it is my God hand? It is in my, there's an in there that's missing, it is in my God hands. That is an affirmation of oneness, isn't it? And some of you now probably cringe when you hear that. If you say something to like a traditional Christian, something like that, it is in my God hands, then you probably get some really nice looks, right? Probably similar to the looks we got at the symphony from those people who didn't want us to be there next to them, right? Like, what are you doing here, <laughs> you know? It's, but in unity we teach that God as much as it is within, it is within all of you, and therefore God must be in everything. So it is in our hands. It is in our God hands, meaning that it's not just in our limited hands, but in the hands that we understand as we learn more and more of the expansiveness that we already are. Instead of saying it was an act of God, it was an act of collective, and I put error in consciousness in, in parentheses, it was, an error, it was an act of collective consciousness. Why? An act of God 
is usually something that we cannot explain. And there's two reasons for that. One is we have absolutely no self-awareness. We just are not trained well enough to understand what's actually happening within us, and then often we are clueless why these things are happening. Okay? Have you ever met people who are totally clueless about what they're doing, and then they're surprised why certain things happen to them? You know, if you're rude to someone, expect a rude response, right? But if you're unaware that you actually are rude, and then the response comes back, then a person who is unaware is very surprised, wouldn't you say? The same thing goes for an act of God. So instead of saying it was an act of God, again, relinquishing the responsibility outside of ourselves, we introduce a new concept, collective consciousness. And quite frankly, I don't talk about collective consciousness outside of classes too much because it gets very complex and it also has the danger of us getting an, an additional excuse of not taking responsibility. Oh, that was just collective consciousness. It's the same thing. That was just God doing it. It wasn't me. It was collective consciousness. Bad, bad collective consciousness, right? So we, it's very tricky, like what we do to ourselves, if we lose self-awareness. But the truth is, it's usually when we cannot explain it, and even when we check in with ourselves, there's probably a factor of a collective impact. Because we are connected collectively. There's no doubt about that. We've known this for a long time. We are connected collectively in that that we collectively move this world in a direction of our choosing. Yes, every choice we make collectively impacts where this world is going. In a smaller sense, as this community here, in person, online, in a larger sense, the Fort Worth, Dallas-Fort Worth area, much larger sense, the United States, the Americas, the world, and beyond. Surrender it to God. Surrender it to your God mind. Rather than surrendering it to something outside of ourselves, surrender it to our divinity within. Just let it go. God will provide how about I provide from my God nature? If you understand the law of abundance, you understand that everything that you need is already within you. So rather than claiming that God will provide, which puts God outside of ourselves again, we can say, I will provide from my God nature. That's where the true provision comes from. This must be a sign from God. We could say this must be an inner signal. This must be a sign that comes from the godness within. Not my will, but God's will will be done. Well, how about not my willfulness, but my God mind will be done. Now, some of those phrases may be really odd, and you just go, hey, it doesn't ring the same way, and, you know, it seems like you have to take a college course in metaphysics to even understand that, right? And I get that. 
That's why I did a little drawing to, to give you an understanding that what we're really looking for is for you to understand that, especially the last one, it's not my willfulness, but the will of God within me that is to be done. <coughs> not a God that has a separate consciousness and makes decision for us, but a God that is unleashed within us and we are part of that decision-making. With me so far? So there's heaps more of those, right? And in summary, you could simply say, whenever we are addressing God in a way that we, are we were taught all our lives, and that's, there's nothing bad about it, just know this when you are releasing your responsibility. When your intention is to say, hey God, why don't you take that one? Because I want to sit down back in the couch and watch some more TV. Okay? It's about taking action. Remember that in unity we believe that God is potential, passive in a sense, and we are the very activity of that. Without us, God wouldn't move. God would just be, because God is potential. And by us introducing ourselves into the picture, we now start to use that God and put it out in this world for good and bad, both ways, depending on the way we see, experience, and are as human beings. A couple more. It just wasn't meant to be. This is a wake-up call. This was sent to test me. That person pushes my buttons. No, no, Elaine pushes my buttons. Right? It's that per has nothing to do with me. Everything, oh, that's my favorite. Everything happens for a reason, right? Everything happens for a reason. Whatever will be, will be, and I'll get there when I'm ready, all right? Okay? Well, how about I'll get it when I mean it? This is a wake-myself-up call. I'm testing myself. I push my own buttons. I bring my Christ reason to everything. Whatever will be is up to me. I will get there when I ready myself. If you read that right side of the column, or when I read this, I can talk from my own experience, I feel uplifted. I feel empowered. Because no longer I have to wait for someone else to do it for me. I can take charge. I can wake myself up. I can push my own buttons. I can no longer blame Elaine for the buttons being pushed. Because once I realized that I was the one who pushed the button in the first place, you know, how, how does my relationship to Elaine change? There's no blame anymore. I can actually get into a mode of gratitude. Thank you for allowing myself to see that I just pushed my own button. All that is left is gratitude. And finally, nothing good ever lasts. 
And God is good all the time. Have you ever heard those? Nothing good ever lasts. Oh, how often have I told myself that for years and years and years. And God is good all the time. That was a favorite of Howard Caesar in, at Unity of Houston, my mentor minister. God is good all the time. But what it implies is that life must always be good. And when life is not good, then we're doing something wrong. And then often many of us starting to judge ourselves to such a severity that it becomes what we call in unity metaphysical malpractice. We're picking up metaphysical guilt because we are now believing that when life doesn't look good, it's because we made a mistake. But sometimes life just is like that. We may be responsible for it. There may be some collective responsibility, the act of God, the act of collective consciousness. So what could we say instead? Instead of nothing good ever lasts, we can say absolute good ever lasts. Because in a limited sense, when we say nothing good ever lasts, we imply that there is something bad that is possible, right? When we think of good, we usually think of bad at the same time. But when we say absolute good, or I actually prefer the word goodness, it's much harder to see anything bad happening. Everything that ever exists originates out of absolute good. It's our choosing that turns it into what we perceive as good or bad. And God is good all the time. God mind is absolute goodness all the time. That yes, the infinite potential that we have access to has the potential to be good all the time. But we are responsible for that goodness. We cannot relinquish that goodness away from us. We must be the ones who allow that goodness to come about over and over and over again. So this is just a brief summary of those two books. And I chose those two books because it's a, uh, it's a challenge, isn't it? It's challenging to get away from some of those phrases that we have learned and heard for 20, 30, 50, all our lives, telling us that there's something wrong with ourselves, telling us that we have no say in this, that the plan's already made up for us, that things happen for a reason, and we have no say in it again. And to switch from that to becoming more and more aware that we do have a say in this, while sometimes limited, right? But we do have a say in this, at least in how we perceive it, that's really important to understand. And so with that, I will leave this chapter of getting over it and getting over these two, and we're going to start exploring more and more some of those ideas how we can take responsibility 
for our spiritual lives in a way that we stop giving the power away to someone else. Because that eventually will change not only our lives, but that of everyone on this planet. That power we for sure have. So let us take a moment in meditation and let us sink, let have that sink in for a while. be challenged by some of this, which is just another opportunity to sink deeply into ourselves. Meditation is a wonderful way of becoming self-aware, noticing what's happening. And right now we have the opportunity to let go of whatever draws us outward. And instead just turn within. So let's first apply a way of letting go. Let go in terms of letting go of all that limits us, all that judges us, all that we regret. And as we learn to let go and take away the power we give to things that no longer serve us, we can allow that infinite, that God potential, that divinity, that Christ within us to unfold. Let go and let God becomes pure release, allowing our divine to step forward. The will of God becomes our will. A will that's based on our true desires and that of everyone else. We meditate together to change our minds. And as we change our minds and hearts, we change the collective mind and heart. So take a breath and allow that breath to fill you with potential. 
take it deeply right into your system, right into your body and far beyond. Take a breath so deep that you touch the infinite just for a moment. And allow that to come forth. Remember that everything that draws outward is just an opportunity for you to turn within. Learn more about who and what you are. We all are on this journey together. No one is further along or far behind. Everyone is exactly where they choose to be. So allow the challenge that may have arisen to dissolve. Allow your divinity to come forth and help you to become whole. Make your next, next choice to be one of divine. Take charge and be responsible and reliable. And most of us, let all of us be the meek and bless ourselves for be such. Be humble, be kind, be honest, because that's how we truly do inherit the earth. Finally, we settle into gratitude, a practice allowing us to see truth for ourselves. We bring about those moments in life that we can say wholeheartedly thank you to. And let us not forget ourselves to be grateful for us to do this work. And as our heart reaches out for each other, we do so in kindness and with compassion. And so it is. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. 
You just heard this week's message and meditation. For the live streams and more information, go to unityfortworth.org.